I'm super excited about this message for a lot of reasons. It's something I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. I'm looking for a few good men and women that are sold out and on fire and that will do whatever it takes to serve God and to serve and honor his kingdom. I'm looking for people that are sold out, that are unashamed, that are abandoned, sold out for the king, not the world, but unashamed and abandoned to the purposes of the kingdom. I call them one percenters. I call them one percenters because in the outlaw biker world, there's one percent bikers. But in the kingdom, there's a one percent remnant that don't waver when it comes to truth, God's word, his power, his kingdom, his house, one another. They're completely on fire for the Lord. Here, we use a term called flamed on. Flamed on means that you have a burning passion and zeal for the king, his kingdom, his domain, and his house. I'm looking for a 1% remnant. The term remnant in the Bible is a small group of people, a small group of people, like the, the last left alone ones that are like no other. You can't compare them to anyone else. You can't try to box them in. It's not that they're unbridled wild Mustangs. They're not wildfires burning everything up. They're submitted to the king. They're meat and fit for the master's use. I see them as broke Mustangs that can pull the chariot of the king. That's what I see. They still have the DNA of a wild Mustang, but now they've been broke for the king's purposes. I'm looking for some mighty men and women, and I'm looking for that because of what this church is called to do. This church has a mandate to flip this city upside down. This church has a mandate to fight for our public schools. This church has a mandate to rescue the hurting, the broken, the lost, the dying, and the outcast, and to see them become something, a, a strong nation. This church has a call to influence the city gates of our city. I'm on the ethics commission. I text the city manager. I text with the mayor. I know most of the city council members. This church has a mandate and a prophetic call to not be a nice Christian church. I, we're not a nice Christian church. This church is never gonna be the popular church. And I'm okay with that. Now, when you do the kingdom right, it's gonna grow. God's gonna keep bringing remnant believers. But to me, y'all are one percenters. And I'm gonna define that for you today because you can't get off point and off mission of what God's called you. There's a reason why you're here. And there's a reason why God put us together. And it's messy, it's like a manger, and it's like a cave. But you have got to see the vision and the mission of why God put you here. And if you lose sight of it and you get your eyes on man, or you get your eyes on all the stinky, smelly parts without seeing the king being birthed in the midst of it, you'll get frustrated, discouraged, and you'll want to quit. But don't do that. We're gonna talk about the narrow road less traveled because one percenters walk a narrow road. And they're hard to find. How many sold out fools for Christ do you? I mean real fools for Christ do you? Like unashamed, tongue talking, demon busting, prophesying fools for Christ do you know? Now I'm asking you a real question. It's far and few between folks. Now, there's a lot of them in this house. I can't tell you about any other. I don't, I don't live in somebody else's house. I live in this house. 
And I'm not saying we're the only, we're not the select 144,000 chosen few and everyone else is going to hell. That's not who we are. But you know what we are? We are a remnant. And we are called to be a remnant. And if we're gonna be a part of what God's called us to do here, we will be a select few with a very unique purpose that walk a narrow, less road traveled. They're one percenters. One percent of Christians are a remnant of believers who are uncompromising and unwavering in truth, obedience, discipline, and firepower to stand firm in the truth. You got firepower. You're locked and loaded and you're packing. You're always packing. You're packing lots of fruit. Your fruit is your weapon and your love has no hooks, but you're aggressive and you fight differently. You fight on your knees. You fight with worship. You fight with prophecy, with God's word in perfect love because God's word without perfect love just slices people up and hurts them even worse. That's dysfunctional religion. And many of you have been sliced up by dysfunctional Christians. Don't be that person and forgive the ones that did it because they didn't know what they were doing. And many of us were once like that. Oh, you wouldn't have liked me when I first gave my life to the Lord. I had a religious zeal about me that had a, had a stinky disdain to it. One percent of remnant Christians aren't sellouts to offense, bitterness, anger, division, and isolation. You don't get offended. You don't live offended. You forgive for they know not what they do. And maybe the offense is something inside of us because that which offends you is in you. If you can even get offended, there's something inside of you that God wants to heal and deal with. Listen, we all have to go through it, every one of us. But 1% of remnant Christians don't live bitter, angry, divided, isolated, and offended. 1% of remnant Christians always show up and show out. They always show up and they show out. What do I mean by that? It means that when we come here into this house, and I realize a lot of you are visiting or new or checking out Rock City, I see so many new people here week in and week out. Let me say this. At some point, we transition from consumer Christians, from consumer Christianity. God doesn't want an audience. He wants an army. And we transition from coming to get fed on Sunday morning to feeding others. And that means altar calls, laying on of hands, and that means preparing a house for something bigger that God wants to do in the future. There's only so much you can do on a Sunday morning. We're not, we are by far not a sinker sensitive church. We didn't sing one song today y'all knew. It was all original. It's our own sound out of our own house. A lot of people don't like that. Sometimes we'll sing songs that you know, but my point is, is that we are preparing a house for people to come and find safety, refuge, to be rescued, to be healed, to recover, to be delivered, and to find family. And that takes a lifetime of a process. Understand? So when we come here, many are coming here broken, addicted, hurting, and saying, I need to receive. And I hope that my words from heaven through me can impact your life. I really pray that. But there's something about the altar call. There's something about the ministry time. There's something about the worship time. There's something about you crying out individually. There's something about 50 to 60 people 
that are on the prayer partner team that when I call for an altar call, the, the ministry team comes up and you come up and let somebody agree and pray and touch and lay hands on you. Because most of you have never had somebody lay hands on you. You're like anti-laying on of hands. And when's the last time it happened? I taught a whole message on it. But when there's a burning fire inside of you, you can't, reach to, can't wait to reach out and touch somebody. In all honesty, I just want to reach out and touch some of y'all. Some of you I want to strangle, but others I want to heal. That's what I really want to do. 1% of remnant Christians always show up. Thank you. Let me say thank you. Because you show up when you don't want to. You show up when the devil lies to you and says it's pointless to come. You show up when you pull up in the parking lot and it's like, man, why am I even here today? It's the same old church, same old thing, another message, another week, another worship set. What's the point? What's even the point of church? That's the lie of the devil because you're in God's house. His presence is here. His power is, man, I feel the anointing just talking about it. This isn't about what you get. This is about being in his atmosphere and let him cultivate your heart because we're going to talk about fallow ground here in a minute. Fallow ground is hard, unseated, uncultivated ground inside your heart. And inside your heart is a bunch of ground that needs to grow a crop. And if God doesn't break up the fallow ground in your heart, there will be no crops coming out of you. And, and God's job and my job is to jackhammer your heart. And that's what God's word does. God's word is like a jackhammer. You understand that? So thank you for showing up. And when I say show out, what I mean is we're going to be going in a direction in this house where there's going to need to be a lot of showing out. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, when the Holy Spirit manifests out of you, everybody profits. There's got to be a manifestation coming out of you so other people can profit. Has to be. You need to be like Missouri, the show me state. Well, maybe not. My, more, my wife and I are, she's born in Joplin. I lived in Kansas City for a long time. Go Chiefs. Hey, and I was a Dolphins fan, so you guys need to. Now, now one of the things that I'm going to say right off the bat. Don't get me started. Don't even get me started. You got, just double dog dare me to go there. I figured that, look, I need to know who's really with me or not. I need to know who's really committed to this house. Go Packers. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Whoa, church split. I can see it now. Church split right now. You guys are going to run me out of town. Where'd the pastor go? Strung up in the back. He's strung up in the back. One percent of remnant Christians understand the mission and advance at all costs despite themselves. Myself always wants to get in the way. My biggest enemy is myself. Just seriously. That's why when you look in the mirror, what you need to see is Christ because he transforms you and take your eyes off yourself, but yourself is your greatest enemy. So you advance despite yourself because I got something that always wants to get in the way. There are moments and times of discontent, distress, 
frustration, hardship. There are days I want to quit. There are days that things are going on in my life that I think, man, how could I ever advance? And the Lord says, you're in a perfect place to advance despite it. You have got to move to a spot where it says, no matter where I'm at in process, I'm going to keep moving forward. Because you're either moving forward, standing still, or going backwards. And I've learned no matter what's going on in my life for 33 years, keep moving forward at all costs. Don't stop. If you're going through hell, though you pass through, keep passing through. Hang on to his rod and his staff and don't let yourself keep you back from God's promises. One percent of remnant Christians don't care what other people think about them. You got to move to the spot of stop and stop worrying about what other people think about you, especially if you're going to step into what God calls normal, because God's normal is very abnormal to the world, and it's abnormal to a lot of Christians. So when you start seeing things in the spirit, dreaming dreams of God, having visions, prophesying, casting out demons, laying hands on the sick, anybody that doesn't do that or cessationist, cessationist Christians will look at you and say, you're abnormal. But actually, God defines that as normal. So you move to the spot of saying, I don't care. You guys say it. Let's just say it together. I don't care. Just say it just like that. One percent of remnant Christians have a zeal for the house of God. Zeal for the house of God consumes you. Let me say this. I love this house, and I love being here, and I want to spend more time here. I love the atmospheres of worship, God's word, praying for one another. I love knowing that the kids are being ministered to right now. I love when people that are isolated without families and in despair walk in the front door and find something here that awakens their heart. I love the atmosphere of prayer. I love intercession. I love this atmosphere, and I'm consumed by it. My heart is to be like David in Psalm 27, which I've taught you guys one thing. Everybody say one thing. Because when you can have all the stuff, you can have all the leadership, all the positions, all the toys, all the money, all the jobs, but David had all that and said, there's only one thing. David was a true one percenter. And he said, listen, it's not about any of that other stuff. It's about the king and his house and his people. And I'm consumed by it. Most people won't understand that because they'll say, you're such a churchy. Why are you so churchy? Why do you want to be at church all the time? Why are you always going to church? Oh, you are a wild hellion partier. And now you're Mr. Churchy. Guys, like, yeah, because this is a house of God, and what I get here is better than what I ever got at a club or a concert or through drugs and alcohol. What fills me here is way better than what I ever got at the watering hole. This is a better watering hole, amen? One percent of remnant Christians know more about their Bible than their careers and jobs, and I say this a lot to hit you right between the eyes. Do you know more about God's word than you do your career? Some of y'all know how to fix a diesel engine more than you do what God says about the kingdom and what the gospel is. 
1% of people will pay the price to remain spiritually aggressive and hot without compromise in their life. A true one percenter dedicates their life to Jesus full-time and never stops abiding. The real question I'm going to ask you all today is, are you willing to pay the price to be the one percenter in the kingdom? Will you be the one percent? My prayers, Lord, make me a true remnant son. Make me a remnant son. I own the website, Remnant Son. I really do. I've spent way too much money on website domains. I get downloads, I just buy them. Left. You wouldn't believe, I got like 45 website domains. So what, I may write books on all this one day. I'd rather get it now. One percent of Christians are true mighty men and women of God who take the narrow road less traveled. Will you be that man or woman? That's the question today. Will you travel the road less traveled? When I first gave my life to the Lord, you have to understand, prior to me giving my life to the Lord, I'm a high extrovert. So I was all about the parties, the clubs, every night of the week. I had massive amounts of friends. I never would have imagined in a million years on a Friday night I'd sit home at 8, eight 9 o'clock and read my Bible, ever. I never would have thought I'd be that guy. But when I gave my life to the Lord, my desire for the party life went away, and all I wanted to do was sit alone. I remember sitting alone in my room with the light on, reading my Bible, while all my old friends, right after I gave my life to the Lord, all my old friends were calling, party, 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 and I had no desire, and all I wanted to do was sit with God's word alone. But the, sadly, most people won't get alone or cut those, that old life off to spend time with him and to know him. But 1% of people probably will. Will you be that person? In 1 Samuel 22, I set you up for the whole story last week. We're just going to recap this one verse. When David fled to the cave of Adullam, this is an important cave, by the way. We're going to talk some more about it. Let's read this, 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 2. David therefore departed from there and escaped. He's on the run from Saul. He's an outlaw that broke no laws, by the way. I'd like to say that. Because if you just look up the term outlaw, it means a fugitive from the law. And usually it's because they broke the law. But David didn't break any laws. But we were all lawbreakers. And even David was conceived in sin. He still, in a sense, had an outlaw DNA inside of him that needed to be changed. All right? So he departs and escapes to the cave of Adullam. Now, the cave of Adullam means justice for the people, but it also means to turn aside and find rest. It, it, was, it was a fortress and a place of safety. So this cave would be a place of retreat to turn aside, find rest, and while you're in the cave, you will find justice that God will first deal with your heart so that you can bring it to the people, all right? So he goes, escapes to the cave of Adullam, so when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him, verse 2, and everyone who was in distress, in debt, discontented, gathered to him, and he became captain over them. There were about 400. His mighty man army would grow to about 600 not long after this. When David fled to this cave, he was at his lowest point to date in his life. He had nothing, no security, no food, no one to talk to, no promise to hold on to, no hope that anything would ever change. He was cut off, isolated, and alone. Maybe he thought he was worthless and useless. 
He was at the center of a great injustice in that he was an outlaw that broke no laws. And surely he battled doubt concerning his ordination by the prophet Samuel. Misunderstanding was everywhere around him. And I could imagine that while David was in this cave, he had to be thinking to himself, what just happened with Samuel? And I thought I was anointed to be king. Now the king and his armies are coming after me and I have no one around me. This was the lowest point to date in David's life, even though he'd been prophesied over and he'd had a prophetic word about his life. And I'm making this point because so many of you are in the spot of either quitting or wanting to give up or you forgot your prophetic words that God declared over you when you were a child. Some of y'all had dreams when you were kids and you believed the wondrous beauty of God. But as you got a little older and stiffer and more mature, you became a mature adult of God and you lost your childlike wonder. And when you lose your wonder, you lose your hunger. And suddenly you became stale, lukewarm, and sitting on a plateau of a cliff where you feel like you can climb no higher. Is there anybody that feels that way? And you lose the fire inside your life as we get older and the more church you go to and the more podcasts and the more books. We've been there, seen it, done it, and we own all the Christian t-shirts and bumper stickers. But I want to say that a true 1% remnant falls more in love with the Lord and He is their first love, and they're on fire more and more every day. I cannot even tell you how much more in love with the Lord I become day by day. The fire never goes out. The shoe's not going to drop. The shoe's not dropping, folks. He's full of perfect love. You should fall more in love with him every day, which in turn transfers over to your spouse. The only way I can love my wife more and better every day is is by falling more in love with him. And the less in love you become with him, the more marriage problems and the less you will want to be at church and around a bunch of stinky, broken, messy people in the cave of Rock City. I'm not kidding. I'm putting language to how so many people feel. I hear the, as much as I hear the Lord, I can hear the lies of the enemy. That's how God works. Because it's like, if you don't know what to do with the enemy's lies, they'll consume you. But if you're hearing God's voice first, God will say, here's what the devil's saying. Now let me give you the strategy against it. Woo, man, that's a good word. I should preach a message on that. I'm sure that David battled doubt. Psalm 142 gives us an incredible picture Of that, but even in his doubt and misunderstanding and hardship and persecution and no food, no one to turn to, he was he was on the run and alone in this cave for a moment. Even in that moment, he didn't lose sight of God. And he cried out to God in Psalm 142. We're not going to read the whole Psalm today, but Psalm 142 is written in this cave. Let's just look at verse 4. Psalm 142, verse 4 says, Look on my right hand and see. For there's no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has fallen me, has failed me, and no one cares for my soul. You know who else thought like this? Elijah. Just kill me now. The guy calls fire down and stops up rain, but as soon as a woman is on his tail, he's running for his life. It's the power of a woman against a man that doesn't know who his identity is. You have all the power of God, but as soon as Jezebel came on his heels... He's running for his life. And then he says, he falls into suicide. He basically says, just take me now, kill me. What's, I'm all alone. David's like, everyone's failed me. 
I'm all alone. Isn't this, what's beautiful about this is we all go through this and feel it at different times in our life. And those are the lies of the enemy. And that's why God said, I love, I'm gonna use it this way. Little do you know, Elijah, I got one percenters hidden. I got a hidden one percent that have not bowed their knees to Baal or kissed an idol. Shut up, I just want to pray in tongues right now. No one, no one cares for my soul. Look at verse six. Attend to my cry, for I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they're stronger than I. This just goes to show the condition and the state that David was in in this moment. I also suspect that David may not have wanted anyone around him at this time, all you introverts. Just leave me alone in my cave. I'm just going to sit here in this cave and sulk to myself alone. The last thing that I need, the last thing I need is a bunch of in debt, distressed, discontented people hid up in this cave with me. Am I right? Come on, all you introverts. Isn't it just like the human nature to want to retreat and hide and isolate when we're at our lowest spot in our life? But don't you see that God knows? In fact, the more you try to hide, the more he's going to bring the worst of the worst into your life. And that brings me so much joy in my heart, all you introverts, because I'm a high extrovert. You think you're going to run and hide in some cave and God says, I'm going to bring the worst right to your doorstep to hide out right with you. God has a sense of humor, amen? <laughs> so many times, though, I want to I wanna help you to understand. I, I value the fact that there are times that you want to just be alone, because David even talked about it. Though I make my bed in hell. Why did he say that? Because sometimes you make your bed in hell. How about... I wish I could take, if I took the wings of the morning to the furthest part of the sea, there are days that I wake up and things are so hard, I say, Lord, please take me on the wings of the morning to the furthest part of the sea. And you know what I know? It doesn't matter where you go, how much you try to run, God's gonna be there, he's gonna find you there because his presence is everywhere. You can't run. So I'm sure that David wanted to be alone. Because he wrote about it. But God knew what David really needed and being alone wasn't the answer. And of course, who comes first? Who were the first people to come to follow David in the cave? His family. And you know what I see about that? God knows no matter where you've been with your family, no matter how hard it's been, no matter how much you've been persecuted by your family, the even if there's prodigals, prodigal son, prodigal children. When you get to the cave, somebody's going to follow you there because something's happening in your life and God has a way of bringing your family into the kingdom and to follow your lead. I led my mom to the Lord. When I used to sit, I actually got my mom high for the very first time. Did you know that? I put on some headphones and we... I had her listen to the Grateful Dead's Terrapin Station while we smoked a doobie together. Really. Years later, 
I kneeled with her at the couch together, and, both of, and she gave her life to Christ. Don't you think for a second that God can't save your family? The problem is, is when they come to follow you, you better forgive. Because David had every reason to be bitter and angry, didn't he? Pre-forgive. Everybody say pre-forgive. Just choose to pre-forgive anyone and everyone in your life right now. It'll go way better for you. It's in the place that, it's in this place, in the cave, that God would call David to leadership. Sure, he'd be anointed, but it was his great test was in this cave. God would first deal with David's heart, then he would deal with the hearts of those who followed him. And because David responded properly, he became captain over the outlaws. David became captain over the outlaws in the cave, but first he had to write Psalm 142 and cry out. First, God would deal with his heart so that when these people came, he could lead them properly. He understood that he was subject to weakness. He was in a place that they were in when they came. Do you see that? So he could identify and relate. There's not one person in this room that should not be able to relate with anyone and everyone that doesn't know Christ. If you're born again, it doesn't matter if you did drugs in prison or any of the stuff that maybe I did. You don't have to have a story like mine. You have to understand that when Christ saves you, he equips you and gives you the tools. And one of the best testimonies in the kingdom is not my testimony. One of the best testimony is a son and a daughter that stayed sold out all the days of their life. They gave their life to Christ and they didn't go down the road of prison and drugs and womanizing and jail and bars and clubs. That's the last thing I want for my kids. I want my kids to stay the course. Now, do they need Jesus? You bet they do. Because they have a nature inside of them that's, that needs to die. But we need people to stay the course and I need y'all to help show them we need your sons and daughters to stay the right path and they need mothers and fathers to show them how to do it. Amen? These outlaws will become a remnant of mighty men and women in the kingdom of God. But what makes someone mighty? That's my question. What makes someone mighty? What makes somebody a, one, a true one percenter? The Bible uses this term mighty man or mighty men many times. The term refers to a person or people who are valiant, champions, brave, upright, and strong, powerful warriors. That's what the term mighty men or women means. You're a powerful warrior, a champion, you're brave, you're upright, and you don't retreat. Mighty men and women have history. They have history with what? Distress, debt, and being discontent. Don't kid yourself for a minute. Dawn was a mess. If you knew Dawn's story and what she did in her past, you think she's got it all figured out? She may now, but she didn't once. You just, let me tell you about my elder Fabian. This guy was the, might have been the worst of the worst. Car thief, drug dealing, beating people up. He was a bad dude, don't kid yourself. And Marlene, we won't even talk about Marlene. And you think this guy who was a VP, of cl a clinical VP at a children's house, don't have history, pot smoking porn addict. Wow. Stand up, turn around, and nod your head. Nod your head, yes. Nod your head, yes. See, he can't deny it. 
Now, Mary, on the other hand, she has never done a thing wrong in her entire life, right? Let's give her a hand clap. Oh, I'd just love to keep going down this road, but sadly, I don't have the time. This is a church full of people who were once outlaws that are now remnants. And true one percenters have history, so they know what distress, discontent, and in debt looks like. And they have overcome it. Do you all understand that you are in the process of overcoming? God is in the overcoming. And you wish it was all gone, man. Keep on wishing. God is in the process of transforming your life to build a story. And your problems today are your story and ministry tomorrow. Come on. So I got, you got history. There's, and here's the thing. Not one born-again Christian doesn't have history with indebtedness. Every single one of you was in debt. I don't care where you, your story, every Christian Everybody that's born again was once in debt, distress, and discontent. And you know what? There are days in my life today where I feel all those things knocking on my door in my heart. There are things I'm discontent about all the time, let's just be honest. But because I've already overcome it and I have history, I can use those tools and resources to keep fighting the good fight of faith and to overcome it and not give up. It's a process of overcoming. So you have history. And you know how to deal with it. You know the miraculous power of God. You've been to the cave. And you keep running back to the cave. True one percenters are like the 7,000. 1 Kings 19, 18. I told you about Elijah, but I love this scripture. And look at the word reserved. Are you reserved? It, does God have a reservation placard on your heart right now? Is the table of your heart reserved? No one else can sit there. No one else can take the place of the king in your heart. And I'm in reservation, folks, and so are you. Rock City is a reservation. And we are being reserved for something. I don't fully know what it is, but I know that there's parts of it now in place from the schools to the city gates to the worst of the worst walking in this house, some of y'all were some really bad people. I'm looking all, I'm gonna look all around back there in the back. Some of y'all were some really bad people and some of y'all are still doing some bad things right now and you're in the right place because this is the cave where God deals with porn, God deals with addiction, God deals with anger and hatred, God deals with murderous spirits do you hear what I'm saying? There's not a person in this room that doesn't need a cave to find the presence and the power of God. And churches should be like caves of Adullam. And a cave is like a manger. The problem is you come in, and it's like it's stinky, it's sweaty, it's moldy, it's got all this stuff going on. I mean, we're, I'm talking in the spirit right now. And some people see it and they say, just get me out wade fish. I drive by all the people wade fish. I sat with them by the bridge this morning. And they have, they have no desire to be in the house of God. They'd rather be out wade fishing. I know some of y'all are thinking that right now. But I'm saying to you, 
<laughs> the fishing can come later. There's a better, there's a better sea to fish from in this house than there is at the Laguna Madre. How about Matthew 2016? Many are called 1%. How about Luke 10.2? Then he said to them, the harvest is great, but the one percenters are few. Didn't say it quite like that, but that's how I read it. Those that'll show up and serve. Every single one of you should be serving in this house. Every one of you. Unless you're brand new and just visiting and I get that, but if, you, if this is your home and you've been, you should all be serving. And if you're involved in Majesty Outdoors, you're expected to serve here. If you're involved with YWAM Ships, you're expected to serve here. And the more parachurches that come into this place, that partner up with this house, we serve here and there. We all serve. We all build a house together. Every one of us labors. House fires, music, children, Ushers, I should have an army of young adults standing at that door with big smiles on their face, opening the door and welcoming people when they walk in. We should have an army of young adults serving in the kids and teenagers and mamas and papas leading by example and showing up to the men's and the women's. We're not doing all this stuff for the fun of it. We do it to impact people's lives. I got four minutes. Calm down. I'm watch Trust me, I'm watching the clock. I can feel the clock. And I'll leave you with this, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it, but one percenters take the narrow gate. Doesn't say it quite like that, but that's what it is. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. I wish I could tell you it's gonna be an easy and some of y'all don't like difficult. Ministry is hard, and y'all make it hard. Every one of us makes it hard. When did ever God say, oh, it won't be hard? Easy is not in the fruit of the Spirit. Difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few. See the word few? One percenters that find it. How about Rahab? Man, do I want to teach a message on Rahab. You got one harlot prostitute in the city of Jericho, and that city is coming down, and she saves the spies, and through Rahab's bloodline, the Messiah comes, 1%. How about the woman at the well? 1%. She turns the whole city upside, multiple husbands, and shacking up with a guy that's not her husband. 1%. Man, I got chills talking about that. I guess there's a lot of women at the well in here. (laughs) Or a lot of Rahabs. 